Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is Tim Jasma, and joining me is the greatest legal mind in the Pacific Northwest, if I do say so myself. It is Professor Aubrey. Hello. All right, we are here today for a Wednesday episode, and I think we're going to be doing something rather interesting here. What do you think? I think it should be interesting, um, as long as people don't expect us to know too much about Led Zeppelin. I mean, me, at least. Uh, but the episode, that was a little bit of a spoiler. Spoiler. Spoiler, the episode is about Led Zeppelin. Yeah, um, the reason it's about Led Zeppelin is this. Um, it all started with a YouTube video. Um, I, a lot of my viewing preferences do tend to be YouTube channels. Um, I, and, and there are a lot of great YouTube channels out there with, with some great content, including one, uh, the channel's name is Polyphonic. And he puts on some high quality, just examinations of music, whether it be the music itself or, you know, things around music as well. It's it's one of, it's it's really nice. I mean, the videos themselves are, are pretty much bite-sized, so you're not sitting around for three hours uh, or anything like that, but he has a lot of information from, you know, everything I've seen. I, you know, I, I, I trust him to have sources for his material and all that. This is uh, a professional type production, and um, he is currently doing Led Zeppelin Month. And, um, but it's interesting. He's not doing this necessarily as a fan. He's doing an actual critical look on Led Zeppelin. And the video I saw was titled Led Zeppelin and Cultural Appropriation. That's exactly right. And, um, you suggested that we watch that together. Indeed. So what we are going to do is this. Um, the whole premise of the Led Zeppelin and cultural appropriation video on the Polyphonic channel, the start of it shows scenes from the movie The Song Remains the Same, which is available on HBO Max. And he said that when he saw it and they did the crowd shots, it kind of intrigued him a bit that most of the crowd was white despite the fact that Zeppelin's music comes from an African-American an American, African -American heritage, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it did uh, what I feel was an honest and fair look. Um, I don't think that, the, I, do, I, I do not feel this video, uh, the polyphonic video is necessarily, this is not a hit job against Zeppelin. It is just an honest look at not only Zeppelin, but other white musicians of that era um, that, you know, did have their music, that that their music was inspired by you know African Americans and whatnot. So what I thought we will do is derivative of really. derivative, correct? Um, yes. Yeah, so what I thought we would do is this: we're going to do two things. One, um, after we go to the musical interlude here, the professor and I are not only going to rewatch that uh, polyphonic video, uh, which in the show notes you will have a link to uh, the polyphonic YouTube page. I definitely recommend checking them out if you're a fan of music or just simply good documentaries. And then we are also going to uh, go to HBO. Max and watch Led Zeppelin and the song remains the same and then when we come back from our musical interlude we'll kind of have a discussion of both at once what do you think about that sounds good to me Tim anything off the top of your head that that I uh, you're hoping to maybe discuss when we uh, come back I'm very interested um because I you know in watching what we've watched so far of the polyphonic video it has seemed to me a 
he's not saying anything new. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. So I guess in that sense, it's not shocking. This idea that rock and roll music came from uh, black music and was appropriated and then blacks were excluded from it. Like nobody thought there were. I mean, I guess there was this myth post segregation that so post integration mm-hmm. there sort of came up this myth um where i grew up in the south that people you know to the extent there was separation people just wanted it that way and so there wasn't this thought of why are there only white people on mtv because I hadn't had any exposure to anything other than that. So because of this social stratification, the justification of which was people prefer it that way. Everybody's happier that way. And I remember as a child believing that that was, you know, just thinking that was just a normal state of being yeah um i I would say for me i I know when i first saw the polyphonic video it it did make me self-reflect a bit um you know and i will go into it uh after the musical interlude here but it did uh make me think about how little i was exposed to african-american culture um you know whether it be music now now you know granted and again we'll go into this a little further i do feel that some of the artists mentioned in the polyphonic video like the rolling stones i think are good stewards in the sense that you know they were definitely influenced by african-american culture and then they went out of their way to tell people that and you know give opportunities that may not have been there whereas led zeppelin has had issues of stealing stuff and not necessarily given attribution that you know where it came from you know what i mean yeah yeah so all right I think that's a good introduction here, so kick back, relax, enjoy that musical interlude, and when we get back, we're going to give you our thoughts not only on the polyphonic video called Led Zeppelin and Cultural Appropriation, but the concert movie, The Song Remains the Same. All right, we are back. We are done watching the polyphonic video Led Zeppelin and and cultural appropriation as well as as much of the song remains the same as we both could take yeah i mean we did not finish it i mean i think we have to admit that right from the get-go we were not able to finish the song remains the same um so you can take that as you will perhaps that it was a little bit boring I say this as someone who has seen Robert Plant and Jimmy Page in concert. I found the film boring. I mean, it's like you, after the first 19 minutes, you had said pause uh, to like go to the restroom. And then, you know, I, you know, hit pause without looking at the time first. But after you, you had left the room and I saw it was only 19 minutes. And that first 19 minutes had like this long segment where their manager dressed like a 20s gangster and just started going to their houses, delivering letters. You saw Robert Plant's Naked Kids and they had what, five, six years old. So that was like 
stop, you know. <laughs> right, like those are going to be adult humans someday, and now they're going to be naked on film for the whole world to see. Yeah, and it, yeah, and you know, whatever. I mean, whatever. Just, I, I just didn't like like the film at all, and I don't think you know, for what I've liked about Led Zeppelin over the years, it, it didn't capture. It really didn't. It felt like watching a documentary. As opposed to being, like, transported to the show. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, first of all, I did not enjoy the gangster part either. Um, If I put myself back in the sort of heady and uh, fervent adoration of Led Zeppelin, right? When they were kings of the world, Mm -hmm. they would have felt like people would be interested in seeing little clips of their houses and little clips of them with their kids and little clips. You know what I'm saying? So I can see why they put that stuff in. I I think that's why it was a way to like let the fans connect with the home lives of the artists. But it was so weird and contrived and just not interesting at all. Like, they could have had, like, little interview snippets of them at home saying, you know, were they excited to go on tour or, you know, speaking. Yeah, I mean, that's probably my biggest thing. I mean, we we talked about this. There are a number of other concert films out there um, that, that are either all straight concert or mix of concert and documentary. We have stuff like Gimme Shelter, Woodstock. Um, Don't look back. Uh, Metallica did a movie. I forgot the name of it, but it was a concert movie that did have a little minor storyline thread throughout, um, which again I felt was better because there there was more of a folk. Better in the sense that if you know you could you could lose yourself a little bit more in it. Whereas with uh, the song remains the same. It was, uh, you know, this was like some. I mean, this is why Spinal Tap. It's a thing. I mean, it was... So when I was watching it, because I've seen Spinal Tap dozens of times, and Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite films, and I had never seen um, Song Remains the Same before. And Mm -hmm. the whole time I was like, it's a shot-for-shot remake of Spinal Tap. (laughs) Just by people that don't realize that, you know, they're a joke. (laughs) Right, right. People who are not seeing the funniness. And, and, you know, that's why I say the the sort of headiness of that time, what it must have been for members of the band and people who worked with them to have that much social capital all at one time mm-hmm. in the 70s when, you know, let's face it, we were not um, a forward-looking, you know, the 70s, I think, was an era when young people were seeking to enjoy the liberation that had been generated in the prior decade. Mm-hmm. In the 80s, of course... HIV and AIDS come in and sort of changes how that's working. But that really is an identifiable era in American history, I think, certainly culturally, <clears throat> that time between the civil rights movement and HIV AIDS. And they were, you know, the leaders of that time. And I, th- I just think they couldn't make good art because they were blinded by their own importance, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because 
Because that's what it feels like. It's just a very self-important, self-congratulatory, you're interested in every drip of sweat that comes off my brow kind of performance and film. Or the camera on on uh, Robert Plant the entire time was like aimed at his crotch looking up. Yep. You know. Um, but th- that is what it is. And like th- there's another concert film from The Who. I mean, the slightly older band, uh, but the kids are all right. And that was... You know, again, concert footage, but again, much better because it sh- it showed you the band's homes, but it gave just you know interview clips. It didn't it didn't do this fantasy stuff uh, that they did. But that's a that's a funny thing. I, I, I you know, had the fantasy actually been about something that I associate with Led Zeppelin, which is a little bit more psychedelic mm. than a mobster. Like, I feel like they just got really stoned and were like, you should be dressed as a mobster, man. You come and get up. Like, they were they were indulgent. Yeah. They weren't talking to the audience. They were inviting, they were barely inviting the audience in to just watch them be themselves yeah. without much thought about the art product. And I, I just don't, I mean, when you see good art, it has a point of view and it's communicating to you. Now, let's tie that into the polyphonic video. Um, You know, we did, before we start recording here, have a bit of a discussion about what we wanted to talk about. And it's like, you know, this video did kind of, and it's sad that it only came out a day ago, but, uh, you know, when I saw it, it, it did make me really think about how there really is a kind of a clear mark in the late 60s on when there was a split on on who enjoyed what type of music and you know hearing you speak about zeppelin you know it's like you know i think of like the stones and even though the stones you could probably say are just as guilty of cultural appropriation in some ways as they are the the stones i i will go to my grave defending them for this because you know they took muddy waters on tour they commonly they they did work with howlin wolf they did they they commonly in interviews would talk about all their influences from the african-american culture uh in the 80s uh on anniversary of of chuck berry uh whatever keith richards put out a, a concert movie with chuck berry you know so it's like they've gone out of their way to talk about their influences and yet and also to you know i think they could have so to me and what has been communicated to me lately like in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. is um you know there's financial benefits that have been flowing through the white community from this type of appropriation for generations Mm -hmm. and that wealth gets accumulated and accumulated and compounded the same thing is happening in the black community, except things are being taken away. So even when, you know, it's just like that um, Marvin Gaye song, uh, you know, before before I get any money, you've already taken it all. It's like before, before I can even um, perfect my art form, you've taken it and you're reaping all the financial benefits. And those benefits should be partially mine because this stuff came out of my head like a vision from God. Yeah, I mean, like they brought up uh, little Richard in in um in in the video and like look at his his like when his music first started hitting it big, he was working in a diner. 
still working in a diner when his music was on the radio, yet, like, Elvis Presley was already doing, like, the, was it, Louisiana Hayride, and mm-hmm. already uh, uh, making it, making it famous, and how, you know, like, Pat Boone would have a bigger hit with the same song that Little Richard's, Little Richard, like, singing the same lyrics with the same music background, just the white version, and then that would, that would be better, and, like, it's like... He, it was it was a conscious erasing of black voices and that has hurt and continues to harm the black community even if we stop doing it today which we have not stopped doing it today i haven't stopped doing it and i bet you haven't either but it's still pulling resources out of that community that should go back to that community And, you know, I think we as individuals, it's just like when we were thinking 20 years ago about what can I do? Like, I've been told there's a crisis with the environment. What do I do? And I think a lot of us struggled for a long time about our personal contributions and the, you know, choices and compromises that our lives um, promoted. And it's kind of the same thing with appropriation. Like, we have to begin to question when we're consuming any kind of art, when we're learning any kind of art, where did that art come from, find its roots, and pay homage at least, but pay money too, right? Find the person who came up with the new dance craze and pay them for a dance lesson. And it in a weird way, this reminds me of comic books and something we've uh, discussed on the show before, too. And I, I think when I'm done explaining, you'll, you'll get uh, what I mean by that. But take a look at all of the characters that you see in movies today, whether it's Marvel movies or DC movies, and think about all the billions of dollars that these companies have made. And then go to Twitter, and then you find out that the people who created these characters for the comic books are lucky to get tickets to go to the movie. They have to create GoFundMes for medical issues while characters that they created are making billions of dollars for other people. And and there's a, I mean there it's it's obviously the comic books the, the comic book situation is going to be different than, you know, when it comes to music, but there's similarities there in the fact that people that don't have power are getting screwed by the people that do have the power. I mean, which has its parallels in, in almost every performance or art or creation kind of job. And not only that, but any kind of job. And and so I was going to try, because the same in professional wrestling, too. You know, the, the people are fighting their way to get into that industry and are essentially abused mm-hmm. until they're successful. And so there's so many of us who struggle to do things and believe in doing those things and spend a lot of time, energy, and money trying to train ourselves to do those things. And it's not successful. Like, not everybody's going to be successful at stuff. I have failed at many things in my life. That doesn't make trying them less fun, right? Yeah. Um, Anyway, so I think for me, you know, you can boil it all down to capitalism, really, because it's motivated by greed. It's not necessarily motivated by, like, I don't think it was, I don't know what motivated people to do what they did. But I know what motivates people today, and that's cash. 
And so, I mean, you can look at even the COVID vaccine situation. People are now being paid to get their COVID vaccines. If you go get your COVID first COVID vaccine today at a COVID clinic in Portland, Oregon, you get a um, gift card for $100. Fuck. If you get your second shot, you get a gift card for $50. Because Why don't I do it early? <laughs> because we're trying to get communities vaccinated. And what is the number one way to motivate people to do stuff? Give them money. You, it's an amazing thing. It is a symbolic currency that you can trade for just about anything. Mm-hmm. So it is incredibly valuable. And basically my point is people motivated by greed will railroad anybody they can. And when they are defined and pervasively oppressed lower classes in any society they're going to be the ones that get taken advantage of to the benefit of the wealthier ones. And, you know, I don't believe that humans are by nature greedy or jealous. I mean, I think those are scarcity mindsets that are encouraged by capitalism that are necessary for capitalism. And so in that sense, we're groomed from the time we're infants to participate in this system that results in things like the song remains the same. Yeah. A really boring movie about a bunch of white guys who stood on stage and played some music that at the time was really exciting for people, but at this point, we've all heard it. So it's not at all interesting to look at or anything. The lighting is bad. There was nothing dynamic about it. The music felt... I wasn't inspired by the music. It didn't. It didn't focus on the you know it didn't focus on jimmy page during solos for example like you didn't get a feel for the individuals playing the music you just saw robert plant up there preening and singing in a way that didn't doesn't feel the same way it does for me when um mick jagger does it when Mick Jagger does it, you have this perception from the audience that he is trying to entertain the fuck out of you. Like, if you were in bed with him, <laughs> he would be doing every possible thing to make sure you were having a good time. Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Whereas you look at Robert Plant and you see him, you know, laid up in the bed, surrounded by a dozen women who are, like, licking him all over, and he's just, like, half asleep. And that's how I felt during the movie. Just to bring it back around. Yeah. And, and to be clear, we do like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> but one thing about the... I love Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin was incredibly influential on me as a teenager. Same. And I listened to it all the time when I was 16. And, you know, until I was in my probably early 30s. And like I said, I mean, I've, I've seen Jimmy Page and Robert Plant in concert in 97. Um, Robert Plant opened for The Who, so I've seen Robert Plant in concert twice. The purpose of this is not to knock Led Zeppelin. The purpose of this, and it was touched upon in a polyphonic video, and which I really am glad that they did, is people need to more critically assess the art that comes into their life and they need to acknowledge when the artist in question are not the best of people or obtained that art in ways that maybe they should not have or just didn't do enough to show appreciation you know um 
and and I, I think people and I think you got to internalize that and realize it's your job to show appreciation and so how you're gonna do that is you're gonna consume artists who are also appreciative or original artists and local artists and I know that all costs money and so I want to say because this feels so similar to me when I was thinking about environmental issues in the 90s mm-hmm. is it's not up to you as an individual to be perfect because your perfection will not solve the problem it's up to you to be mindful and you know say you remember to do this kind of analysis once that's better than never doing it Right, so you don't have to consistently question every purchase, every viewing, every everything. Like that is too much for most people. So, you know, maybe it's one thing. Maybe it's the next music you buy. You'll take, you know, while you're thinking about it, you'll take the opportunity to see where did that music originate, where does it come from, what are the influences on it, and maybe pick up, in addition to what you're, what you're consuming, pick up an original version of it. Um. So if you're, like, say you're consuming um, Latin pop and you really like a Latin pop artist, uh, maybe go back and listen to some son music from Mexico or uh, some mariachi music. Mm-hmm. And in that way, you're benefiting yourself as well as the people that are entertaining you in a more sustainable and authentic way and that will feel better to you so it's a win-win really it does take energy and it does take time and it does take money so um but it does give you back that good feeling of i've done um i've done a bit of what i need to do today yeah, I, I, the big takeaway I think I took from it was a couple of things. Like, I don't think, you know, this is not a case of, like, something you would see on Twitter of, like, a virtual signaling person stating, you know, I'm going to take all the white people out of my playlist. And you know, we're, we're not saying that. We're not telling you to be embarrassed by the music you listen to. If there's if, if you like Led Zeppelin, I love Led Zeppelin. This is not that we, we are not doing this to knock Led Zeppelin. The point is to be introspective about the music here. So don't be embarrassed by the music that 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 you listen to. If you like it, great. But cr- honestly, critique the artist in question. And two, you know, to your point, yeah, go out of your way to find... Because I've talked about it about movies before, like like with action movies, you know, like, it, like you don't have... You, like if you want like if you want to see women in action movies like if you see a woman that's directed one go see it you know i mean just what's it what's it gonna harm you it's not gonna harm you even if you don't like the film you're still supporting uh that person and then yeah i mean with the artists that you do like you know um read their articles you know see if they do talk about you know their musical influences and then from there listen to those musical influences that's you know going to be the best because that's what i've always respected about again the rolling stones um what i've respected about the beatles you know interviews that you hear about them they're talking all about music you know whether it's white artists black artists whatever they're talking about music and you know and just just yeah I, you know, yeah, just do what you can to be a good human being and do what you can to open yourself up to other cultures. I mean, and just different music can touch you in different ways. And, you know, it, it, a music from 
Guatemala, for instance, is going to hit me different than somebody that lives in Guatemala. But if I enjoy it, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing, you know? Yeah. I'm, you know, I think it's important to keep in mind that it would be, you know, detrimental to communities to stop consuming art and music and dance and theater like that's not what we're saying um we and if you look at contemporary works you know say you're really into edm you can look at contemporary works and find you know pretty obviously where the samples come from or where the records are what records are being played and um check out those original sources as well for example if you're into dance you can do some you know research about where styles of dance you like have come from, particularly in the context of hip hop, mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you know, which is a largely derivative of West African styles of dance originally. But, you know, we've got 200 years of culture on this continent in the form that we're in, in terms of art. And, you know, I just really think it's important to remember that art comes from the hearts of individual people. Um, and that creative expression is unique among creatures on the planet. I think. I don't know. You know, it seems like maybe birds are like making patterns on the ground with their feet or something. Or their droppings. <laughs> or their droppings, yes. Um, but, this, but the social and economic system that's been imposed on us wants us to tear each other apart, victimize each other, and steal from each other. And the antidote for that is love and appreciation and acceptance of other cultures, a curiosity about the world. So nobody's asking that people stop being joyful or stop consuming, you know, things that make your life better. We're just saying, dig a little deeper. You know, it's part of your responsibility to the community to just dig a little deeper, you know, starting every once in a while and see how that makes you feel. And um, if it makes you feel good and empowered and like you're making good choices, that's awesome. That will only bring more joy into your life. Yeah. I mean, even if even if at the end of the day, you know, there, there's only a couple of artists that uh, artists that you end up appreciating that you wouldn't have listened to before. That's still a couple of artists that you ended up discovering because you did take that time to just dig a little further, you know, and like. I, Specifically thinking about this issue, which is wh- what culture from what culture did this that I am enjoying emanate? And I'm going to make sure now I'm going to go and appreciate that culture whether that means I'm going to see a performance, I'm going to consume some online media, I'm going to go to a museum dedicated to that thing, or whatever, you know, do some online research. Um, what was my point? Um, I think I got it. I mean, I don't know what your point is. You don't know what my point You're not yeah. listening to me! Oh, yeah, I was listening. I mean, we can go back and re-listen to that. <laughs> it, I, I think it was just... Um, just make an effort, really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and appreciate that culture. And, I mean, everybody does this. 
appropriation. Like everybody does it and you just have to accept that there's nothing new under the sun. But that doesn't mean you get to just steal stuff from other cultures without an understanding of that culture. I think I think that's the only thing. Like don't steal other people's culture without an understanding of that culture. And, and yeah, sometimes people do it unwittingly. Right, like I have a clock on my wall that has a picture of two otters snuggling on it. Mm-hmm. And when I bought it, I just thought that's a cute picture of two otters snuggling together. And um you know, there was nothing tipping me off that that could be potentially culturally appropriate. I also have a mandala um coloring book, a mandala coloring book and mm-hmm. I like to color those sometimes when I have a moment. Um, that is incredibly culturally appropriative of any number of cultures. And, and, I, so, and so when I think about what is drawing me to that, I want to find the culture that it relates to. For example, in India, in Hindu communities, they do like a sand painting thing in front of their doors where they do mandalas on the ground out of different colors of sand. And it's incredibly beautiful. It's essentially what you're doing when you're coloring mandalas, um, just a smaller and easier, cleaner way of doing um, the same thing. So like... I appreciate, you know, even just knowing where that comes from. It doesn't mean I can't enjoy coloring mandalas. It just means that didn't come to me from the publisher of that book. And so the publisher of that book isn't entitled to the social capital that comes along with me liking that culture. So I need to, I know that I have an interest in Indian culture because I like stuff that comes from Indian culture. And so I can learn more about Indian culture and, you know, feel more connected to the art that I already like. Yeah, I mean, let's throw out two hip-hop artist names and, and you'll, you'll get the point. I mean, Vanilla Ice, Eminem. I mean, Eminem, whether you like his music or not, he clearly was a student of hip-hop. You know, and clearly respects it, clearly loves it. And again, you know, you read his interviews, he's... You know, he when he's talking about music, he's talking about other artists and obviously with the other artists he's helped, you know, produce and all that other stuff. You know, he he clearly is giving back, whereas Vanilla Eyes, it was a cash grab. Right. With Eminem, you feel like he's a part of that community. So when I'm consuming his products, whether produced or his original products or whatever, I know that I'm patronizing that community doesn't matter what his skin color is. Mm-hmm. That's sort of not what it's about. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily about color. It's about identifying these cultural milieus. And, and, and there have been cultural milieus that have been mixed race in the United States. That doesn't mean they weren't under the same influences we all are every day related to white supremacy and capitalist culture, you know? Yeah, my point wasn't the skin color of Vanilla Ice or Eminem. The, uh, the point was, um, you, know, so, you know, with Eminem, it was he put in the work, you know, whereas yeah. Vanilla Ice did not, you know, and, and that's, that's the type of artist I think a person should, and I'm not saying to support Eminem, if, I'm saying in general, an artist, if they are taking something for, that you, that you know is from another culture, at least support the artist that respects that other culture. You know, that's my point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think 
I, I have one last example of this, if you don't mind, and then we can, you know, maybe wrap it up. Mm-hmm. And that is that I'm really into pole dancing. I don't know if our listeners know this yet about me, but um, I've been pole dancing for two and a half years-ish, and um, I really enjoy it. It's a way that I really enjoy moving my body so it is self-motivating for me, which is wonderful, and I really, really love it. It's an art form that comes to us from black sex workers. They originated pole dancing in strip clubs, and they're the ones who have, you know, developed over time the expertise and techniques. Like, okay, there have been pole dancers before, um, primarily in India, I believe, a sort of traditional dance involving climbing to the top of the pole and dancing on a pole. Mm-hmm. Um it's not clear whether it was the influence of that on black sex workers, but certainly for our contemporary form of pole dancing is black sex workers that are still around today that we can still patronize. And um, so my studio that I patronize that I pay to go to, to learn pole dancing and to exercise or to practice pole dancing um, gives free classes to all black sex workers. So that is a, you know, very tangible way that a group that is benefiting from the, the creativity of others, this dance studio that's charging money to teach people how to do this art, are giving back to the same community from which the art emanates. They also have a number of BIPOC um, coaches and, and workers there, and it's a nonprofit. It's not a profitable um, organization, but so that's just an example of like how that can work and feel really great. Like I, I feel really proud of that and really great about it. Um, it doesn't make me feel guilty or weird or feel like defensive about the fact that I like pole dancing. Um, it feels like it's the right thing to do. And, um, it just feels good. So, you know, to try to try to build those kinds of connections. You know, that's what Led Zeppelin should have been doing and what they didn't do, which I think is criticizable. I love their music. I love, um, you know, I love looking at Robert Plant's dick just like everybody else. <laughs> but... <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um yeah, I think this has been a really interesting conversation. About Robert Plant's dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but remember, I've been closer to it than you. <laughs> yes, I have stayed as far away from it as I could. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I think that is a good note to end it on. Just At the end of the day, just, just, we're a big world. Lots of people living on it. It is easy to forget that because when you're in your own little community there that's the only thing that you can honestly even though you got a tv you got a computer and you and you know there is an outside world you know your your brain can only really appreciate what's in your immediate vicinity so you know taking time out of your day to you know be empathetic be a good human and also to in the ways that you can try and right some wrongs Go ahead and do that and just, yeah. 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 
Yeah, and just have fun. And so, you know, the review take-home is, if you're tired, don't watch um, The Song Remains the Same, but the... Well, no, no, no. If you're tired, it'll put you to sleep faster. Oh, okay. There you go. (laughs) If you need something to put you to sleep, give um, The Song Remains the Same a try. (laughs) And... um, What's the name of that YouTuber? Uh, the channel is called Polyphonic. Um, I, like I said, I can't recommend that channel enough. Uh, he puts good quality bite-sized documentaries that are properly sourced about this, uh, about this music, um, uh, about music in general. He doesn't just talk about Led Zeppelin. He's talking about all different types of uh, j- uh, j- popular music genres. So, Cool. Awesome. Well, shout out to them. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, I think uh, we'll wrap it up then. Um, We'll thank you all for listening every Wednesday and Saturday. We'll have something in this podcast space to entertain your ear holes. Until we meet again, we bid you adieu. Good day, mate. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.